0: But the issue, I think, that compels maybe an even more in-depth conversation is to what extent is that equitable? Do we all have access to being able to work at home? And so the digital divide, I think, is the bigger issue here in the conversation about the future of the workplace.
1: The workforce landscape is rapidly changing, and educators and their institutions need to keep up. Preparing students before they enter the workforce to make our communities and businesses stronger is at the core of getting an education. But we need to understand how to change and adjust so that we can begin to project where things are headed before we even get there. So how do we begin to predict the future? Hi, I'm Salvatrice Kumo, Vice President of Economic and Workforce Development at Pasadena City College and host of this podcast. And I'm Christina Barsi, producer and co-host of this podcast. And we are starting the conversation about the future of work. We'll explore topics like how education can partner with industry, how to be more equitable, and how to attain one of our highest goals, more internships and PCC students in the workforce. We at Pasadena City College want to lead the charge in closing the gap between what our students are learning and what the demands of the workforce will be once they enter. This is a conversation that impacts all of us. You, the employers, the policymakers, the educational institutions, and the community as a whole. We believe change happens when we work together. And it all starts with having a conversation. I'm Christina Barcy. And I'm Salvatrice Kumo. And this is The Future of Work. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Future of Work podcast. I am your host, Salvatrice Kumo. Today, we'll be talking about the Southern California Association of Governments and what they are doing to encourage a more sustainable Southern California. We will also talk about SCAG's partnership and how we, as a community college, can get involved. With that, we want to welcome Executive Director of the Southern California Association of Governments, Kome Ajise. Mr. Ajise brings over three decades of experience in regional planning and transportation. He has served in his executive director role since 2019, and we are lucky to have him here with us today. Komei, welcome.
0: Thank you, Salvatrice. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Thank
1: you. Let's dive right on in, if that's okay with you. Sure. Excellent. For our listeners, can you please share with us what led you in this path of work in regional planning and transportation and why it's something that you continue to work in?
0: Well, thank you. Great question. You know, you never know what you're going to end up doing in life as a career, but you have aspirations. I, growing up, always wanted to be an architect because I have this sense of just being enamored with spatial references and how the spaces around us are formed and conceived. Didn't quite have enough chops to get into architectural school, so I became a planner. I think it's the way the story would go. (laughs) And I'd worked in planning for the last couple of decades, mostly on the transportation side, always wanted to be a city and regional planner because that's what I have a graduate degree in. Mm -hmm. And the opportunity at SCAG came along in 2017 to be back to planning. And so it was really welcome, you know, grace that I had to be able to come back to planning, especially in the largest metropolitan region in the entire country. Mm -hmm. So it's been almost like a gift to be back where I really wanted to be Mm -hmm. as a professional. And at the regional planning level, you know, we are a little bit uh, removed from local planning. At the same time, we have strong interaction with local planning to conceive of the vision for a region. So that continues to sustain, you know, my drive and my passion for wanting to, again, see about how our environment is formed and shaped and conceived of.
1: That's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. And in this work, in this role since 2019, have there been opportunities where SCAG is partnering with employers or community colleges in workforce initiatives, programming, you know, really anything of those matters?
0: Yeah, we don't directly engage in workforce training other than our employees. And we, again, strive to be an employer of choice. And so we focus on that for our employees However, we are engaged in a program that's funded by the state. There's a $3.5 million inclusive economic recovery strategy program that we came up with coming out of the recession. And we're fortunate to get a grant from the state of California. And so we're using that to engage our economic partners and our local agencies. And indirectly, there will be some workforce training element in that strategy in the spending of the $3.5 million over time. Mm -hmm now through our diversity equity and inclusion efforts we also make sure that we are living up to the tenets of the policy that I adopted on equity mm-hmm. and so we try to bring in a diverse group of uh, employees and especially interns with respect to colleges we have a very inclusive internship program that affords students around our region to be able to, to be able to spend time working with us we also participate in fellowships like the Civics Parks Fellowship, where Mm -hmm. we bring in both current students and recent graduates back to spend a year or two with us gaining that initial experience before they then find their way in the profession. Those two initiatives, the internship program Mm -hmm. and the fellowships have been very, very productive both ways. For us, tremendous amount of work was done, okay. but we also feel like the participants have gained a lot and they've gone on, all of them, have gone on to gainful endeavors beyond SCAG. Many of them stay with us where we have openings. Mm-hmm. So that's, to answer your question, that's the extent to which I think we would see ourselves in workforce training.
1: That's a lot. It may sound simple, just one or two things as the internships and the fellowship, but the mobility that SCAG is offering those participants in those two capacities is forever within their career journey. It's not wasted, right? You've created some significant right. impact for those individuals that are able to participate with SCI within these two vehicles. So thank you. Thank you for doing that.
0: Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's just a matter of, you know, when people go to seek employment, yes. the employees are always looking for experience. That's right. And if they never get a chance to work, how would they get the experience? So the internship and fellowship programs, I think they're rich for that. And, you know, when somebody is a fellow with us for two years Mm -hmm. postgraduate, that's a strong experience to take anywhere. And we just had three fellows leave us this last month. Mm -hmm. And two of them have gone on to really significant employment in planning. And I think one's probably pursuing further education, Mm -hmm. getting their graduate degree. We feel very blessed to have had them on because they did work for us. That continues to be Mm -hmm. sustained to help us get what we need to get done done.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. Are you finding that maybe perhaps the fellows, are you finding that they're helping raise awareness around trends, around policy trends within planning, development, Or is that something separate one of your team members is doing on really seeking the trends around policy design as it relates to planning and development?
0: Oh, absolutely. They are assigned real work, real and current work. In fact, I think the three fellows that I just referenced worked on an emerging area of housing, accessory dwelling units, Mm -hmm. ADUs. Mm -hmm. These are relatively new in concept. This used to be the granny flats that you would have in the back of houses, and they have now been formalized as a matter of policy in this state. And so the question is, how do they fit in the strategy for increasing housing supply in our region, Mm -hmm. and they did some really good work, groundbreaking work for us in identifying the barriers and constraints and the opportunities for ADUs, accessory dwelling units in our region. So they've left us with that gift. So (laughs) they spend a good amount of their time on it. And that's really one of the, you know, employers should take note of that. That's one of the benefits of having this young, bright mind. Be given meaty tasks, focus on it, get you a well-done product and they leave you with work that maybe your full staff just wouldn't have time for because right. there's all the other stuff that's going on in the agency. So sure. that was a real benefit and a good example. We had them present it to our board last week and it was well received.
1: Fantastic.
0: And it was gratifying to see them accomplish what they did.
1: And that's really speaking to Southern California's sustainability and to have them really develop this product that you can then implement expand, amplify, all those good things. To your point, you're right. Most organizations don't have the bandwidth to do everything else that is needed outside of the daily functions of that organization. And I wonder just kind of like along that same thread, is there room or space for community colleges to partner with SCAG? Or if you're seeing other entities partnering with community colleges that can support the intentionality of making Southern California more sustainable?
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm a fan of interns coming into an organization. And I say that selfishly because I started working as an intern with the Department of Transportation, Caltrans, many, many years ago. And that led to a full-time job with Caltrans. And I spent you know, most of my career working mm-hmm. at Caltrans. So coming in as an intern, one, it's really helping the prospective employee at the time, as an intern, understand what that agency is, if it's a good mm-hmm. fit for them. Or otherwise, they get some experience to go somewhere else that's a good fit. So we are at SCAG, we are available, Uh, not just we would be, we're available to work with colleges. One of the things to note in our region is we're rich with higher education population. And so, and there's just a really deep talent pool in our region. So we always look to bring those talents to our organization to the extent that they're interested in the mission of SCAG.
1: Fantastic. And just to switch gears a little bit, related, kind of unrelated, SCAG. What could we look forward to in the near future? Are there any new projects that you and your team are working on that you'd like to bring to light or share with us today?
0: There are a lot of things going on. We have a very dynamic region. You know, our region is, what, the 16th largest economy in the world, if you were a country by itself. So if you stop to think about 193 or so countries in the world, if you take the economies, we would fit right there in the top 20, just for the six-county area. So it's a very vibrant economic region, probably the most vibrant in the country. So we have this need to continue to maintain that vitality economically. But on top of that, under the adage of walking and chewing gum at the same time, while we are so focused on the vitality, we must also not forget what makes this region attractive to people. It's the environment. And mm-hmm. so preserving that environment, it's not an either or, it's, it's and, right. it's both. So our work is really vitally engaged in making those connections between mm-hmm. assuring That we maintain our economic vitality, but also maintain our environmental consciousness while at the same time making sure it works for everybody. So, that equity overlay that we've been talking about over the last couple of years more so becomes very important. So, to your question about what are the things we're working on, there are just a number of things. One is having come out of the racial reckoning that we had over the last couple of years and strongly making a statement by a board on equity, we're guided very, very much so on ensuring that there's an equity lens across the programs that we operate. And so that's one major initiative where we're always focused on making sure that what we're doing affects everybody equally and also bring capacities and opportunities to everybody equally. So on that note, one major initiative we just launched in February is the regional data platform. One of the assets we have at SCAG, at the Southern California Association of Governments, we always call ourselves SCAG, is the regional data platform, the RDP. What that is, is we are a repository of a lot of data. So it takes this data that is about each one of our member agencies, the cities, the 191 cities and six counties that make up SCAG. Each one of them have, you know, characteristics data that we have and being able to have that data available to each city at a very sophisticated tool level using geographic information systems, a GIS system, such that any one city can participate at the world-class level in terms of planning. So I say that and it doesn't sound like much, but when you stop to think about the fact that out of 191 cities, about, I'd say almost 70% of them are 100,000 population or less. So they're not necessarily the big cities that's 70% of them. So majority of our cities have a population of 100,000 or less and clearly about 20% or so of them are even smaller than that, maybe 20,000 population. So these are not communities that have a lot of resources available to them to be able to play at the sophisticated level of regional planning and even local planning with the tools that the RDP brings to them. So being able to launch the RDP was a very major initiative for us and so it allows each one of our cities to have access and that goes to equity when all cities have access to the same tools to be able to do the same level of GIS work to be able to have data-driven decision-making available to their policymakers because the RDP affords them that. But also the RDP affords us to engage our communities so it gives them the capacity to do civic engagement through the same tool where everybody's online now, but you need that capacity to be able to engage folks online. So through the RDP, we have that. And then also, finally, have the planner's in each one of these cities have access to capacities that are only available to maybe the richest of communities. So that's a major initiative that we just launched, and it's getting recognized. In fact, we were given an award on mm-hmm. Monday, Monday, by ESRI at the International User Conference, which was attended by 14,000 people. The award was Making a Difference Award, and we were really proud to have been there to accept that with our board president, Major Harnick, from Palm Desert. That's one big initiative that I could put out to respond to your question.
1: Thank you very much. Is there any dialogue or conversation within planning and development? And this may not be appropriate for Skag or something that Skag has a pulse on, but I feel like all the cities right now are preparing for the Olympics in 2028. Everyone's getting really excited about it. What role does SCAG play? in that. Is there anything happening within the respective preparations for that? Is that an appropriate question or ask?
0: It is. We stand ready to be part of a more in-depth discussion about how we plan mm-hmm. for the Olympics. We've had some conversations with principals in it. Obviously, we're not going to be at the center of it, but I think we have capacities and a role to bring to the conversation, given that we cover the region. And the Olympics is not going to be centered in one city. It's going to be across mm-hmm. the region, if not different parts right. of of the state for that matter in terms of events and how do you get to and from those events is a major mobility issue that I think is right in our wheelhouse. We are on notice to participate. I think there are some discussions going on that we have been part of, but we're not going to drive it at this point is what I'm saying. So yeah, we're relevant to the conversation Mm -hmm. and we continue to be available to be part of the conversation. But I think it's ramping up now. You'll probably see more of Mm -hmm. our role in it over time.
1: Right. Thank you for sharing that. I, I imagine that there's going to be some projects and momentum and activities coming out of SKAG in preparations for just given just the natural genetic makeup of SKAG and its purpose and intention within our area.
0: Yeah, we're excited about just the notion of the Olympics coming in first That's way. right. So it is
1: exciting.
0: <laughs> we're going to bring our capacities to the table <laughs> to make sure it's successful. Yeah.
1: That's right. That's right. This is a Future of Work podcast. And yes. if there is one thing you want our listener to understand about this topic and how it impacts their future what might that be
0: the one thing, that's where it makes the question really hard. That's right. <laughs> because it's not its not one thing.
1: Well, you could sprinkle in some bonuses, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think one of the things to note, and this is not going to be, you know, breaking news for anybody, uh, is that more of us are working from home. Yeah. Before COVID, we had anticipated that the population, the workforce that would work from home would be in sub 10%. Mm -hmm. essentially, and maybe, you know, might grow to about 12%. We're noting that that's obviously changed. We were 100% working from home for those who were office bound before COVID. There's still a lot of employment that is in person, obviously, if you work in a hospital, if you work in the shipyards or factory, it's in person. So when you break the employment categories down, I think there is about 45% or so positions that have the potential to work from home. So when you then break that down, I think we had assumed that there would be, you know, 100% of those people would work from home, but more and more, I'm in the office uh, we're getting back in the office. I think that number is probably in the sub 20%. So we'll see that. but. Mm-hmm. The issue, I think, that compels maybe an even more in-depth conversation is to what extent is that equitable? Do we all have access to being able to work at home? And so the digital divide, I think, is the bigger issue here in the conversation about the future of the workplace. We have a saying here at SCAG, and I picked this up from my team who had been working on this concept of work at SCAG, where we're operating a hybrid work environment now. It was a very thoughtful process by our staff to do that. And and we say, you know, work is not where we go, but what we do. Mm-hmm. And when you start to think of work in terms of what you do, not where you go, then the concept of the future of work begins to be so wide open because then work can be done from anywhere. And the question is, what facilitates that? And obviously, access to high-speed internet is key to mm-hmm. that. And then question is, how many people do have access to high-speed internet? So we begin to think about how do we close that digital divide so that more people have the opportunity to make the choice of where they want to work. And so it then implicates this whole conversation that we've been having about the great resignation that we're seeing. I think over time, it's evolving from where it's more of a contemplation where people are now rethinking, you know, what exactly they want to do. And that features into what employers offer what they want to do. And so there's that mobility in the economy as a result that's creating a lot of shift to where people that really want to work from home for various many reasons are looking for those opportunities and not being static. So in terms of the future of work, I think the digital divide is a key player in there. Mm -hmm. And obviously mobility is important because that's one of our key areas of interest. Mm -hmm. How we move becomes very important as well. Many of our young folks are not necessarily bound by the automobile. We live in a region where we are noted for our highways, but by all means, we know the future of work requires us to be a little bit more diversified in how we move. So the notion of mobility as a service, being able to not necessarily own a car, but if you need a car, you have access to it. But having choice to be able to take transit or scooter or one of the small micro mobility options available to you, that choice also begins to affect the concept of work into the future. So when you look at our regional planning, we're focused on exactly that, creating choice for folks in terms of how they move. You could have a Mm -hmm. car. But you don't have to drive your car all the time, especially if you have a choice to take the train. The Metrolink system is one of the gems of our region. It's a commuter rail system. Before COVID, it was doing really well because of COVID and mostly commuters. The ridership dropped, but what's really key to what Metrolink offers is, most people that took Metrolink actually have cars, but it was the choice that was afforded them Mm -hmm. allowed them to take it to work. And so Mm -hmm. Metrolink is beginning to adjust to making that same choice available to non-commuters, such that we have that choice across the hours of the day, as opposed to just in the morning commute and the evening Mm -hmm. commute. So those are the things that are implicit to the future of work is what kind of mobility choices we have and what kind of access do we have to work in terms of high-speed internet.
1: Mobility and access. I mean, that in itself is one hour-long topic, right? (laughs) Right. It's complex, to say the least, not unreasonable and not unachievable. It is achievable. It just takes system alignment.
0: It takes intentionality. It takes, you know, really good study and bringing good data and good information to bear on decision making such that we make the right choices.
1: That's right. Thank you very, very much. This has been just a lovely conversation. I know that you're incredibly busy. I follow the work of Skag, so I know exactly what's going on, but thank you so, so much for offering your time and your talent and your domain expertise with us. And if there's a way that our listener would like to connect, what is the best way to connect with you?
0: I think the best place is to go to our website, scag.ca.gov. There's a wealth of information on there. And of course, you find my contact on there as well. I can reach easily through the website.
1: Fantastic. Well, be sure to put that in the show notes. Thank you very much, Komei. And you have a wonderful day.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Savatrice. You have a wonderful day too.
1: Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Future of Work podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite listening platform so you can easily get new episodes every Tuesday. You can reach out to us by clicking on the website link below in the show notes to collaborate, partner, or just chat about all things future of work. We'd love to connect with you. All of us here at the Future of Work and Pasadena City College wish you
0: safety and wellness.